Welcome to Globally Speaking, your program that explores everything and anything to do with language localization. Are you ready to dive into the most critical issues impacting global brands today? Globally Speaking is designed to educate, inform, and challenge everyone who's engaged in global communications. Your hosts for Globally Speaking are Renato Beninato and Michael Stevens. Learn more by visiting our website at www.globallyspeakingradio.com. And now, here are Renato and Michael. I am Renato Beninato. And I am Michael Stevens. And this is Globally Speaking. And today, we're going to talk about how top hospitality brands engage with local travelers on a global scale. This is a topic that is very dear to us, isn't it, Michael? It is, because we keep these companies in business. We travel, we stay in hotels, <laughs> we, we eat do. in restaurants, we take trains, we live in airports. We rack up the airline miles, <clears throat> all of it. And the World Bank is estimating that 1.5 billion people are traveling internationally each year. And one of the interesting aspects for, for us in this is that this business happens mostly online. Reservations are made online, communication is done online, and this is all cross-border. It's one of the most global industries around. And this is why it's extremely relevant for us. It is. And like our industry, it employs people from all over the world as well. You know, there, Absolutely. You have people in hotels who speak multiple languages. There's just so much overlap. And people, the way that linguists love language, people who work in hospitality generally love to travel and enjoy the food and enjoy the, the scenery and all of that. So, Well, so today we have a very special guest. You were lucky enough to meet him at a conference in Las Vegas. Yes, John was a little bit of a disruptor at the conference, which is saying a lot when you're a disruptor at a conference oh, in Vegas. Oh, I thought you were there just to gamble oh, yeah. and try to... That was the other disruption that went on, but this was disrupting during the, uh, the conference. So... Our guest today works for Interstate Hotels and Resorts, and he manages some of the strongest brands in the hospitality space by managing properties. We're going to hear what he has to say. Greetings. My name is John Jimenez. I'm the Corporate Portfolio Director of E-Commerce for Interstate, but really I just kind of see myself as a marketing guy, specifically specializing in the digital space have a passion for search engine optimization and all things digital. So happy to be here with you guys. And what does Interstate do? What is your big business? Sure. Interstate is a third-party management company. Largely for you know travelers, we don't exist. But really, when you think about how our industry is composed, you have people that buy hotels, you have people that manage those hotels, and then you have franchises like Marriott, Hilton, IHG. Our place in the travel industry is to manage these assets on behalf of ownership groups that raise funds to invest in our industry. So you have companies that are REITs, real estate investment trusts, buy 20, 30, 40, 50 hotels, and then hire interstate to manage them in the interim while they wait for their asset to develop, eventually divesting their investment and selling at a good point in the market. We have about 480-ish hotels. We're one of the largest third-party management companies in the industry. That's fantastic. And how many countries are you present in? We're in Europe. We've just grown there. We're in the United States. We're in India, Russia. 
So we have a, a fairly diverse global footprint. And how does that international aspect of your business affect your day-to-day activities? <laughs> well, it certainly presents a lot of challenges. We operate in portfolios. So I have hotels around the United States and being able to work in this kind of global environment has presented its uh, challenges, specifically being able to acquire the right type of customers through the right channels, manage disruptions. Some of the things that are going on in Europe are starting mm-hmm. to affect us here in the United States. Take Airbnb as a mm-hmm. perfect example. It's very customary in Europe to, to use that type of method, you know, this sharing economy. It's impacting the United States drastically in certain markets like New York, California, and is only growing in popularity. So we see trends globally that is affecting us locally here as well. So when you talk about the client for you, is the client the corporate real estate investment organization that buys the building? Are these the people that you're trying to attract? Or are you talking about the guests that actually stay in the hotel? All of the above. Okay. And then some. Okay. <laughs> Every which direction. Yeah. Well, I imagine that. that you have also, being human-intensive kind of business, you also have to recruit people and attract people to work in your organization. And marketing yes. affects that too. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, we have many stakeholders from the investors, like you said, we call them owners, to the guests themselves because we're operating the hotels on a day-to-day basis across the, the globe and the United States. In addition, we coordinate with the brands themselves. So Marriott, Hyatt, IHG, Hilton, they have their strategies that they want to roll out. And we support them in the deployment within our hotels and then come up with strategies where their solution may not fit our specific hotel for that market. Right. So you talked about a couple of detailed terms that I want to make sure everybody understands who's listening. The first is when you talk about acquiring customers. What means are you using to acquire customers? That's a great question. Well, let's face it here today. We, we say digital marketing, right? That's something we just kind of throw out there. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it, it doesn't exist. There's just marketing nowadays, right? Every marketing action usually has some type of digital component in it, essentially. So we can kind of drop that facade. And it's with that emphasis that when we think about acquiring the customer, we're thinking about it both in the the real world in terms of billboards and stuff that they see, they touch, but really more specifically what they consume from an electronic standpoint, whether it be on their smartphone, whether it be on their tablet or their PC, and specifically the mediums that they're consuming this information, whether they're looking at TripAdvisor to try to decide should this be the hotel I stay at, or they're actually just on Google searching for hotels in Atlanta, hotels in New York. And what makes it pivotal is that we're reaching a point where cost for acquisition for customers is dramatically increasing with our industry and probably can be said universally across many industries. And there are certain ways that customers can buy stuff from us that are very expensive and some ways that they can buy a product from us that are more profitable, if you will. And part of the angle is to be able to drive revenues through these kind of low-cost channels, more or less. Does that make sense to ask your question? Yes, it does. And it sounds like you're describing, on one hand, the term omni-channel, omni-marketing, that that whole movement. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it's a challenge to make sure you're using the most cost-effective means, even though you're covering all of these different opportunities that you have ahead of you to get the customer in. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. The lowest cost channel for us is brand.com. 
the more people we can get to Marriott.com, Hilton.com, whatever our brand.com, yeah. the lower the cost is for that acquisition. Many people don't know this, but if you make a reservation on, say, Expedia or Priceline or Booking.com, there's a transaction fee that occurs up to 13, 15, 25% per transaction. Mm. So at a $100 room, somebody makes a reservation on Marriott.com, we get more of that $100. But if somebody does it on, say, Booking.com, then it's probably going to be, you know, 87%, 85% because there's that transaction because they have interjected themselves as an intermediary Uh to bring some value, but also to erode margins. Does that make sense? So your marketing strategy is actually to get around the intermediaries. You have to outsmart Expedia. (laughs) That's one, yeah, one tactic. We want to work against them too. What works in that space? Does content in any way help you be ahead of the Trivagos and Expedias mm-hmm. and, and so on? What are the tools that you have in your arsenal that can make you divert people from the aggregators to your brand.com as you described it? Yeah, that's a great question. So when you think about just the way the traveler goes about their you know, process of booking a room, right? They're dreaming about their room, then they're researching about their room, then they're actually making the reservation. And along each step with that process, there's different levers we can push and different channels that we can activate. In the dreaming phase, you mentioned content. We want to be on the first page of Google for certain search terms like hotels in New York, hotels in Atlanta, and content is king when it comes to search engine optimization of late, particularly with the updates within Google's algorithm. And content that's not just in English, but as you kind of probably are getting to, in language specific to the user. Google has updated their algorithm with RankBrain, which is machine learning. It goes beyond just looking at what we tell Google our website is about and looking at links to actually breaking down the language on the page itself and getting a better understanding of what that content is and then ranking based on those types of signals. So having content relevant for the searcher who is doing it in Spanish, doing it in English becomes extremely important from our perspective. And then we have a couple other tips and tricks that we try to leverage to get in front of the customer. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense to answer your question? Absolutely, absolutely. And do you see any patterns, any markets where this kind of demand makes more difference than other markets. You mentioned that you have properties in Russia. I understand that the key search engine there is not uh, Google or Yahoo. Uh, They -hmm. have their own platforms there. How do you adapt your strategy to these variables? Yeah, each market is different. I mean, like China has Baidu. They don't necessarily have Google. Russia can be a, a different market. When we talk about global search engine optimizations, that some of the practices are the same, having original content on our site and optimization done to our site to be able to, to gain visibility. Each search engine kind of has their own nuances and being able to understand how best to structure our sites so that we're serving up the content that they're looking for that ultimately matches what the customer is looking for and the intent that actually is there both implicitly and explicitly. And what kind of support do you get from the different brands? Because very often we understand that the the brand wants to own that content too. Do they help you in in localizing this content or it's up to you? Who picks up the bill? (laughs) (laughs) 
So it depends on each brand. They do provide assistance. So let's pick one, Marriott, right? If you go to Marriott.com and your language setting is English, you'll see a rich amount of content. But if you change your language setting on Chrome to say Spanish, you're going to have a lot more thin content available per hotel. The way the process works is that what content we enter into their content management system gets translated into a different language. So they do provide some support, but realistically, it's probably a page for the Spanish-speaking person. And in most markets, that's probably fine if you're in Cleveland, Ohio. But if if you're in Miami... You know, you're going to need more investment in that. New York, you probably want more content that's relevant to Chinese-speaking people as well because of just the draw. But you yourself, and this is just curiosity, you don't have a translation budget. That's not part of your problem. They do that. That's right. That's right. The brands do it. I don't have a line item tagged as translation. We have some funds for digital marketing that we end up having to pull from, mm-hmm. but it's not something, frankly, that's talked about when we come to PL or budget reviews each year. Well, this is the reality that we know. We have a saying in our industry that translation is like toilet paper. It's only important when it's not there. And uh, you probably have a line item about toilet paper in the hotel business. <laughs> I've always tried to create this translation to toilet paper ratio, but nobody yeah. tracks how much they spend on toilet paper, so it hasn't been possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we certainly spend money on toilet paper, but we just have to. It's funny you say that, too. In some countries, like I'm from the Philippines, they sell toilet paper in the public restrooms. In the public restrooms. That's a, oh, that's yeah. a business opportunity in the making. Yeah, but you mentioned the element of search engine optimization, and you brought great examples like New York and Miami, not only for the U.S. speakers, but also other. I'm from Brazil, so the Brazilians, the Japanese, and the Germans are the people who spend the most money in New York, but they spend it differently. The Japanese will come and spend three days and spend a lot of money on, on shopping. The Brazilians will come and they will stay 10 to two weeks And they will spend more money on the hotel, for example. So do you adapt your search engine optimization to some of these targets and statistics? Or did I just give you a great idea? (laughs) (laughs) You're full of good ideas, I'm sure, Renato. But that is something that we have looked at. Let's take an example. We have a hotel in Miami, the Hyatt House, Miami. We were trying to optimize it for what we would think People search for, right? Hotels in Miami, in language, in Spanish. But what we've learned is that the hotel is not the draw. The shopping is, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. People go to Miami, not necessarily thinking they're going to go on vacation, but buy stuff Mm -hmm. and then take it back to their home country. So, you know, there are cases where we, we have to shift our strategy and understand why the consumer is there and take part in that conversation as they begin that search, if you will. They might not initially be searching for a place to stay, but if we can get some kind of visibility by stating that we're by this mall, that mall, and enter into the conversation through their search process, then that's when we can build awareness. Mm -hmm. Awareness leads to transactions down the road. So, John, the traveler's changed. They've gone more digital. How has your engagement with them, how has e-commerce changed since you've been doing this specifically in hospitality? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, back in the day, search engine optimization was so much easier, to be honest with you. (laughs) You just put your keywords in the title tag, you make sure it's 
full of your keywords on the page itself. You make sure it's indexed, and then you call the the job done. And it's very easy to get on, on the first page of Google. When you look at the search results today, particularly for the travel vertical, it's very competitive. Even if you're in your computer, you bring up hotels in Atlanta, you will see the first half of your screen devoted to monetized channel that Google has created that take people instead of brand.com to Expedia or keeps it within their ecosystem. So our strategies has changed in terms of identifying content that will resonate with the consumer, but also opening up other avenues where we can engage them outside of perhaps SEO. We're trying to develop what we call personal relationship with them in a digital capacity. Uh, You guys are probably uh, members of some type of travel club, right? Either Merit Rewards or Hilton Rewards. Renato, I think 20 or 30 travel clubs (laughs) you're a member of. Mine's a little limited capacity, but yes, we both Starwood, Hilton, all all of them. Marriott, Hyatt, (laughs) Accor. So let's take that example, okay? You're probably aware right now there's a war going on between what I call OTAs, Expedia's and Priceline's of the world and the brand's. So the big push from the brands is that you can find the lowest price on our website if you're a rewards member. So if you're a Merit Rewards member, you're going to get maybe 2 or $3 off the, the room night if you go to brand.com. Now, part of that strategy is, one, to drive you to our channel, but the other part is to develop that relationship. Because once you're a Merit Rewards member, we have your information. Once you download the app, we have a way to communicate with you. And maybe I'm you know pulling back the curtains here, but... If you have the Marriott app and you walk into some of our Marriott's, we know you've walked into that Marriott. And we can send you a customized message saying, Renato, your virgin pina colada is ready because we know from the past that you purchased that on a regular basis so you can enjoy it. He found that about you. He did. His research is good. He knew. knew. (laughs) So it's developing that personal relationship and leveraging technology to be able to communicate and engage with a customer and offer something above and beyond the price. My personal experience, I Starwood Hotels have this key, keyless entry now. Yeah. And so you can use your app. I went to a hotel in Barcelona. There was a huge line in the hotel. And I check in on the app. I get the key on the app. I get to the door. I just put my phone close to the door and it opens. And there's so much opportunity in this space. There's so much opportunity. And yet, going to a hotel often is still not the experience I wanted to live up to. Can you talk about some of the mistakes that you see out there that are regular occurrences that were so digital? I just want more. (laughs) What do you see? Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? Because on one level, we're trying to satisfy people's needs, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, On another level, there's a diversity of people out there now. We have more different people out in the world than we ever have because there's just more people in general, right? Mm -hmm. So we have what they call millennials, right? that essentially want perhaps a minimalistic hotel room. They probably don't even want a desk in their hotel room itself. And you saw that press release from Marriott saying they're getting rid of the desk. They want USB chargers by their bed, but not everybody wants that. And a perfect example is Marriott's AC. It's a new brand that they've launched essentially targeting millennials. We put it in Kansas City, the heart of America, thinking this is great. It's by Westport. It's a developing community. Google's in Westport. And to some degree, we've had some success, but to another degree, it's very polarizing. Some guests love it because it just fits their lifestyle. 
some guests hate it because it's yeah. the Midwest. Yeah. People like big things in the Midwest. And to walk into their room and see kind of a minimalistic setup in terms of the sink creates issues. Was AC a Spanish chain? Did Merit buy them? It actually has its roots in Spain. Yeah. AC originally started in Spain and Marriott purchased them and is oh. integrated into the U.S. market. I didn't know that. I love that chain of hotels. The AC is a great hotel chain. Yeah. yeah. But I love your concept of there are more people in the world and there are more people traveling. The cost to travel has actually come down for the consumer. And so you push that out globally. There are people at many different levels of income. It used to just be sort of the elite who got to go everywhere. And now you're seeing people who are coming that may not be in that same bracket. So push this concept out globally as well. And boy, does it become a wild matrix of decisions as to what a hotel should be providing. If you had a crystal ball, how do you think that e-commerce and digital market will change in the global hospitality as we move forward? Yeah, I think there's three trends to pay attention to as we look into the future. The first trend we've already kind of touched on, and that is personalization. I think the customer is going to expect us to know them better, and they're going to expect us to communicate with them in their language, in their preferential ways, if you will. So having a strong database of who our customers are, what they like, how they behave is exceptionally important moving forward. The companies that can win that battle will have an edge. And that's why there's this push for loyalty programs, whether it's Expedia, Marriott, Hilton, IHG. That's going to become that much more prominent. And that customer information will get deployed across several different strategies. One will be you know, apps and just engaging people on a one-to-one -one basis. Secondarily, on the internet, as we're marketing to them, to be able to market to them specifically through those ads. But the second trend that I see is still kind of balancing that tech and touch uh, universe, right? So we, most of our conversation has focused on tech, but there's still this component of the human element in hospitality that has to be maintained somehow. And the tech has to enhance that and not disrupt that. Mm -hmm. You said you had a third future point. Yeah, it, it's that value, ways that companies can create value, not only from a price standpoint, but from an experiential standpoint. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. By, again, personalizing that communication. Maybe it's not giving them the lowest room, but having the comforts that they're used to already prepared for them as they arrive at the hotel. That personalization, even in that experience. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that was great, John. This is good stuff. Renato's got a page of notes. <laughs> It's awesome. So, Michael, fascinating interview, wasn't it? It was a blast. But I think that one of the key takeaways for me from this conversation is the element of personalization. Yeah. Yeah. It's only going further that way. They know more about us and they're making things tailored. They know how to reach us, find us, and then they know how to give me what I want. Well, but the interesting part for us, for the language business as a whole, is that personalization is intimately tied to localization, to language, because we want to communicate when we're buying for personal experience, for travel, for vacation, for a place to sleep. We want to do it in our own language. This is how we're more comfortable doing business and in our own currency and things like that. Yes. So I think that for marketers in general, 
keeping in mind that personalization is extremely tied to search engine optimization in language. Because if you're selling a hotel in New York, you want to bring the Chinese, the Brazilian, the Europeans, the Italians, the Canadians, and you want them to buy that in their own yeah. language. Yeah, and for marketers, keep doing that. Keep getting more personalized because it's going to keep us in business. Translators will have content to translate. There'll be more content that needs to be created than the few people who are doing it now can. So there's going to be opportunity for us and growing opportunity around the world and all markets that we serve. So this is a great opportunity. This podcast was produced by Burns360. You can subscribe to Globally Speaking on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Globally Speaking, brought to you by Moravia. We'd like to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback. So until next time, please visit online at www.globallyspeakingradio.com.